Hello and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. You caught me in my car again. This is Oli speaking. Once again, happy to be here. Loving this podcast life so much. It has given me the platform that I've always wanted and needed. So many people make YouTube channels, but like, mm, I'm not here for that. I don't have the confidence for that. I mean, shout out to everyone who does. One of my girlfriends has a, a YouTube channel and she does her thing on it. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish. Like, I always wanted to do something like that, you know, where I could be heard. But I just feel like a podcast is so much better for me. Um, so anyway, I'm back. And of course, if you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent or guardian before tuning into my podcast. <clears throat> so, um, my previous episode was a difficult one, and this is going to be the second part to that. I'm going to try not to make it as long, although I am stuck in traffic, so I have quite a bit of time before I reach my next location. Um, I'm going to try not to make it as long, but I guess I want to piggyback off of some of the things that I mentioned in the previous episode. Um, So you guys learned about my childhood. You learned about my father and my mother. In spite of everything my father has done, I've always found it in myself to love him in spite of it all I've always found it in myself to have compassion for him I still give him hugs I still give him kisses I still tell him that I love him I still tell him that he looks nice I kind of see him as this helpless broken person I kind of, when I look at him, I remember a child. I think about a child, a helpless child that's in pain and that's being neglected for some reason. And I think when I look at him, I see that broken, wounded person that never got help. And so that motivates and compels me to maintain a relationship with him. But there's this other part of me that just doesn't understand it. That doesn't understand how you could treat your family that way. And it isn't just us, you know. My sister's mother went through hell and back with him. I don't even know all the details of what she experienced. I know that he shared something with me once that he did to her. And I confronted him and I said, how would you feel if my boyfriend did that to me? And he had no choice but to stay quiet, (laughs) which is a first, doesn't happen often. Um, Him staying quiet, that is.
um, my sisters, they have their own issues with him. And I know one of my sisters in particular, she, she's more sensitive than my other sister. She's more like me. And it's been particularly difficult for her. I don't know to what extent, but it sucks, you know? It sucks that I have all this family out there that I'm not close to. And it isn't just my sisters. Like, I have nieces and nephews from one of my sisters that lives here and then my other sister who lives in Cuba. Her kids live here. Like, I found all of them on Facebook. And... I want to get close to them, you know? I want, I want to be close to my family. You know, as you get older, you start to desire that more and more. And my dad will literally be like, don't get close to any of them. And of course, I'm a grown woman and I do what I want. But I have certain concerns about getting close to them and him in some way interfering with that process. My dad has always convinced me that my sisters will never have good intentions by me. I never believed him for what it's worth. I always knew that him telling me that had more to do with his fears of whatever it is they could potentially tell me about him and what he's done to their mother. And I remember once me telling him and my mom telling him, you shouldn't be so concerned with what they're going to tell me. I've lived it. I've seen it. I've seen how you are. So what can they tell me that's any different? I've seen how you are and I've still loved you. They're not going to tell me anything different. They're going to tell me similar things. Which saddens me because... It isn't fair to them or to anyone. Our experiences are different. My dad raised me, he did not raise them. So, you know, their mom made a choice, the right choice, to walk away from the relationship. It it makes me sad, to be honest. I remember back when my sisters used to come over once in a while. I used to enjoy them being close with him. Like, you know, most people will think, oh, 
you grew up the only child and now your sisters are coming in and you must feel some kind of jealousy. No, I loved it. I loved them being close to him. I loved them being there. Um, One of my sisters, she was a lot of fun. She was like the life of the party. She was always dancing and jamming out to music. And then my other sister was a lot like me, personality-wise, very sentimental, very sensitive. So we bonded over that. But I didn't get the opportunity to be raised with them. Which I wish I would have, you know. I have nothing but love for them and I wish them all the best. And I pray that their lives are full of positivity. Um, I imagine, and I don't want to speak for them, but I imagine their experience is a little bit different because he did not raise them. They might have more along the lines of maybe abandonment issues. Whereas me, I was raised with him, but being raised with him was not at all a perk. Again, I want to emphasize that I do love him in spite of his faults, in spite of the pain he's caused me, in spite of the many years of therapy that I've had to endure. Just to try to make sense of him. When really there is no making sense of him. I remember every time there was a problem in my house. I would run away from home to my aunt's house. I would run away from home and I would go over there and I would see her and her husband. And thank God for that. Thank God that I got to see an example of a healthy relationship. Growing up, besides, you know, the ones on Full House. I was so hooked on Full House. I really, really believe it's because there was just this warmth to that show, this love, this positivity, these amazing communication skills that I was never taught. So I would run away to my aunt's house. And she would hug me. And she would tell me, he's sick, Olivia. And my uncle would say, he's sick. He's not okay mentally. And the more and more 
I grew up and the more immersed I became in my field, I realized he is sick. It's not BS. He's borderline. He's bipolar. Maybe even schizophrenic. But it doesn't change the damage that's been done to anyone. To me, to my mother, to my sister's mother, to my sisters. It doesn't change it. Yes, I have empathy for him. Absolutely. I know about his childhood. I heard that his mother wanted to drown him when he was like three years old. And that he remembers her attempting to drown him. But again, it doesn't change the trauma. And anything I could tell you guys about it, it just wouldn't do it justice. It wouldn't do my experience justice because the only way to really understand is if you were there. I lived on pins and needles. I lived trying to maneuver through the unpredictability of my father. My father at his best will be fun, gregarious, charming. At his worst, he was a beast. And so, in order to learn how to survive in my environment, I had to learn how to read the people around me, how to read their emotions, and figure out how they were feeling so that I could respond accordingly to prevent being even more hurt. Although, it didn't always work, obviously. Because we all know... Oftentimes, it doesn't matter how you respond or react to an abuser when you're trying to de-escalate a situation. It doesn't matter. An abuser is an abuser. Period. But that's why I am so keenly good. I don't even know if keenly is a good word or a right word or an appropriate word. But I am so good at reading people's emotions. It's kind of unbelievable. The closer I am to you, the better. When I'm not close to you, I'm still able to figure it out. But the closer we are, the more I can assess you and how you're feeling and more or less what you're thinking. Because, again, I spent years learning how to read the people around me. I was told by my grandparents that my mom used to be a happy-go-lucky, kind, bubbly 
incredibly charming person. But that after years of being with my father, she became bitter, angry, and unhappy. That unhappiness she often took out on me as well. I don't know if y'all hear that ambulance. We keep it real here on mental health spot. <sighs> My dad is a man of grandiose gestures. He he believes that in order to be a good father, he should be a provider. He should um make sure that you're fed every day, that you have food on the table. Um my dad for my 32nd birthday I got into a car accident and he went and he got my car repainted and got the dents fixed which cost him like a thousand dollars he's a man of grandiose gestures he will do something amazing for you But then a couple of days later when he's angry with you for no justifiable reason other than his bipolarity is in full swing, he'll throw it in your face. And it'll make you wish he had never done that for you. And... I am a firm believer that if you're doing something for someone, you should never throw it in their face. I've done that before. Primarily, when I feel attacked. When I feel like other people are being cruel to me and they're not acknowledging the error of their ways. It makes me feel defensive. And so I will say, I don't deserve this. And is that me defending myself or is that me throwing it in their face? I guess that's up for debate. My self-esteem was not built at home at all by either one of my parents. I used to go to the store with my mom when I was seven, eight years old, and she would make comments about my weight every single time I tried something on. She would say, nothing fits you. No one ever sat with me and said, how can I help you? Let's, let's work together to help us both be healthier. There was never that dialogue. It was just body shaming. Which is counterproductive. People don't realize that. Body shaming at an early age will actually perpetuate 
the state that you're in. It will actually make you eat more. Psychologically speaking. Yeah, this episode's gonna be long. Who was I kidding? My dad never praised me. He never praised anything that I did. Um, He was never like, wow, congratulations, you're doing such a great job. He's actually done that more recently, which I've been surprised about. And I almost haven't even known how to respond to it because I'm not accustomed to it because he doesn't usually do that, you know? I remember a couple of weeks ago, I gave a speech in front of an audience and he was there and he was like, wow, you did such a great job. How did you do such a good job? How did you get up there and do that without being nervous? You really were so good at that. And in my head, I was like, what? Like, I'm not accustomed to receiving compliments from him, but he's done it more the older I've gotten, I think, because I've learned how to manipulate him enough to get that from him. And the word manipulation has such a negative connotation, but allow me to explain what I mean by that. In my case, I had to learn early on that me expressing my feelings and my emotions to him wasn't going to lead in any positive kind of direction. My feelings were dismissed. They were never validated. They were stomped on. I remember once I was crying a lot because of his abuse He was verbally abusing me, saying horrible things, and I was just sitting there crying and crying, and I wouldn't stop crying, and he threatened to call the police on me. Actually, that wasn't only once. That was more than once. That he would make me cry and then threaten to call the police because I was crying. What are you going to tell the cops? Arrest her because she's crying? That's how much he has always attempted to silence me. So I figured it out early on. My feelings don't matter. So I have to act like everything is okay. And that's how you manipulate someone to give you what you want. Not a good lesson to learn, by the way. Don't take notes on that one. I remember my 23rd birthday, one of my close friends, shout out to you if you're listening. She said to me, man, Olivia, like your dad never looks happy on your birthdays. He never looks happy to be celebrating you. He looks miserable. He looks like he doesn't want to be here. And my dad is the kind of person that if he's angry with you for whatever irrational reason, he won't go to your birthday. He won't go to your graduation. He won't go to your wedding if you're getting married. The level of pettiness runs real deep. And so a part of me is grateful to him because I turned out to be 
such a loving and forgiving person. To the point where even if I'm mad at you for whatever reason, whether it's a real reason, an imagined reason, a rational reason or not, I still love you. I still love everybody that I'm mad at right now. I still love you. I still care about you. That's not going to change just because I'm upset with you. I'm a very, very forgiving person. It doesn't take much. You could say something to me and the next day you could call me and say, Olivia, wow, I'm so sorry. And I'll be like, it's okay. And then I almost feel guilty that you're apologizing to me, even though you did me wrong. But I feel bad. I feel bad that you feel bad, even though you did me wrong. Can somebody please explain to me how that makes sense? But that happens to me all the time because my dad has never apologized to me. I think he only apologized to me one time recently. He has never told me he is sorry for what he has done or how he has behaved toward me or my mother. My mom is afraid of him. So am I. He's a scary person. I can't tell you how many times he's threatened us, how many times he has said or made comments like he's going to kill us both and kill himself. His brother um, committed suicide. It was a murder-suicide. His brother shot a woman in front of her children and then shot himself. The history of mental illness runs deep on my dad's side. Once again, doesn't change the hurt, doesn't change the psychological warfare. The fact that I felt like I can't even say what I think because this man could decide to take out a gun and kill me and my mother. These are things that I've never said to most people. Most people do not know that I lived in fear. sad part is I've always been there for my dad whenever he's been sick I've been there by his side taking care of him same with my mother my parents aren't like normal people that have friends coming over like my aunt and uncle oh my gosh they have both of my aunts and uncles both sets my mom's brother and my mom's sister and her husband and his wife they have tons of friends their house their homes rather always full of friends the same friends too like consistently the same people my dad making friends 
he doesn't make friends. <laughs> well, let me let me correct myself. He makes friends. He doesn't keep friends. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> Ask anyone who knows him. You'll know it's bad. And I remember one of my mom's best friends telling me and my grandmother and my grandfather telling me and my aunt and my uncle, your father was always like this. He was like this long before you were born. And so I'm like, well, then why did my mom have his kid? She made the classic mistake all women make or many women make. She thought a kid was going to change him. All you did was subject a child to a life that she should never have lived. And I attribute the bullying that I endured. And you, you could hear about that in one of my previous episodes titled School Bullying. I attribute it to him. To his failure to build my armor, to build my self-esteem. I was going through so much at home, so much abuse and unhappiness. If you guys were to read my journals growing up, I still have them. I kept a journal every year of my life since I was like nine. It wouldn't make you want to cry. If you read how miserable I was in that house and how alone I felt. And I went to school like that and became an easy target for angry children that were probably going through the same thing, but coped with it differently. I've always been internal. I've always been someone that internalizes everything. Both extremes are bad. These were people that were external. They externalized their pain and made me the cause and the victim all at the same time. Whereas me, I internalize everything. I internalize everything, everything, everything. I'll think everything is my fault. I will feel constantly to blame for everything. And nine times out of 10, it's not my fault. And as rationally, As I know that, as logically as I know that, I still find a way to feel guilt and blame. And I still find a way to to feel like I need to explain myself. Like I need to say to people, but wait, I don't deserve this. I've been good to these people. I don't understand. And I can't tell you how many times I've had friends tell me, Ole, you don't need to tell me you don't deserve it. We know you don't deserve it. You don't need to convince me. We know. But I always feel like I have to convince people that I don't deserve what's being done to me. But it's not people that I need to convince. It's myself.
it's hard. I carry a lot of pain. But one thing I've never done is make someone else the victim of my difficulties. I can count on one hand how many times I've been angry in my whole life. Well, let me rephrase. How many times I've expressed anger in my life. I can count that on one hand, which is probably not healthy either, all things considered. I am 32 years old, and I can literally count on one hand how many times I've expressed anger. Probably not good. Gotta find some constructive ways to release anger there. I'm very tolerant. I'm very patient. I'm very kind to people. I will do anything for anyone. I... I'm very expressive with my feelings. I'm constantly telling the people in my life how much I love them, which I know. I know some of the people in my life probably don't know how to respond to that half the time. And the others are just used to it. They're just like, this is just Oli being Oli. She's gonna tell us how much she loves us, at least on a weekly basis so that we can remember. (laughs) Um, I am proud to say that my experiences did not stop me from becoming a person that I'm proud to be today. Because in spite of any self-doubt that I experience or any pain or any trauma, I can truthfully say I am a good person. I have good intentions. I have never hurt anyone on purpose. And anytime I have, I feel terrible about it. Like I won't let I won't let myself live it down terrible. Like I'll still think about it every day and obsess about it every day. You think I'm playing? I'm not. I'm a good person. I care about other people. I love people genuinely and sincerely. I see the best in people. I like to hug. You know, growing up, my parents were not very touchy-feely. I don't know how I turned out like this, but I'm like Barney the freaking dinosaur. I love hugs. I love hugs. I love children. I'm a great therapist. Like, these kids seriously look up to me. And so every time I think about how I want to give up and just throw in the towel, I remember all of their faces and I remember them saying to me that I'm the best therapist they've ever had. That they've never felt so seen and so heard by someone before me. I'm a big believer in making your clients feel seen and heard. I 
I became a therapist to help people like me. I have a client who has a very similar existence as mine. And she's turning out beautifully. You know what? A flower is going to bloom no matter what. Even if the weather is stormy and adverse, a flower is going to bloom. And she's blooming. And I bloomed. I still have a lot of blooming to do, but... At least I can rest in knowing that I'm good to people, that I have healthy relationships in spite of what I went went through. It would be very it would be very understandable if someone like me had a life full of broken relationships. I have healthy bonds with people, healthy connections, healthy communication. And a lot of my friends attribute this to me. A lot of my friends will say, you help me learn how to communicate my feelings in a healthy way. Do you know what that's like to hear? When you grew up in a home full of dysfunction and chaos that your friends and the people closest to you, even family members have told you, you have helped me communicate better, more effectively. Like where the fuck did I learn that shit from? I'm telling you, full house. that's just an honor that's an honor so this is going to put an end to my childhood um, episodes there's not going to be a part three I can't go through this again Um, but I really just wanted to share this because I feel like hearing this might be helpful for someone else. It's helpful for me to get it out. And it might be helpful for someone else to know that they're not alone. Don't let Facebook and Instagram fool you when you see pictures of happy families. A lot of people have toxic parents, toxic siblings, toxic people in their lives. So... Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Until next time.